applicants sometimes see other people create something, but then they just execute on it so much better. And then it becomes like normalized. I think another example of that is... Welcome back to the Digital Dive, a conversation about technology. My name is Jacqueline and I'm one of your hosts. My name is Darsh. I am your other host. This week, we're talking about a bunch of things, one of which is actually the iOS 17 public beta that recently went out to everyone. If you wanted to test out the beta for iOS 17, you now can. And we have a ton of updates in terms of the features and how it overall just works with the UI. We're also going to be talking a bit about the Nothing Phone 2, which was announced today as of recording this, I believe, or yesterday. Uh, July 12th, July 11th, 2023. And then we're going to finish off this episode with the Zenfone 10, Asus's brand new smartphone that's actually better than you'd expect. Really excited about this episode, guys. Hope you're as excited as we are. All right, Darsh, just want to give Digital Live listeners a little prereq. I'm sick again. I Guys, honestly, no idea what's going on. It's like the third time I've been sick in the last month or six weeks. But super excited for this episode. I just want to say that in case my voice sounds different. But today is one of the most exciting days in tech for the summer so far. And that's for two reasons. Reason number one, Nothing Phone 2 was announced. And reason number two, the iOS 17 public beta is out. Uh, we did a poll on our Instagram and overwhelmingly people wanted to know about iOS 17 first. So that's going to be topic number one. We're going to do like a feature breakdown. There are some really cool features that I feel like people are not really talking enough about online that I'm genuinely stoked about. And I think that what's really cool about this year's iOS is it not only looks visually different, but there's also a lot of added functionality. And so this will be kind of like your one-stop shop. Like you listen to this episode and then you're an expert on iOS 17. That is the goal. Absolutely. So starting out with a couple of cool features that each of us like. So I think that Jacqueline probably the best way to kind of go about this, at least in my eyes, is where we just start listing out some features, talking about some features that we find really interesting that we kind of want to dive into a little bit more and kind of talk about why we think they're interesting and where we actually think they fit in the market in terms of feature sets for OSs when it comes to phones. Yes, so down. And I think that the easiest way to split this up is into three different categories. So the first one would be communications. That would be like the new phone and messaging features. I think the second category is utility. And then I think the third category is like exciting little extras that just make the phone feel more fresh. Yeah, absolutely. I think the first one that I'm really excited about is contact posters. Now, this is pretty much going to be that breakdown of what you look like when you call someone. So that when you call someone, you can actually set it up the same way you can in messages right now, where you can send like your profile photo and your contact information. Now the whole contact app has been redesigned so that you can actually send contact like posters where you're going to be able to put the specific titling, kind of like what it looks like right now on your lock screen when you're building it out to make it look perfect for you. It's a similar vibe where you're going to be able to create your own contact that's going to be in a similar kind of format. So when you call someone, it looks like that. I love that idea. That's so cool because that means you can kind of like, I think I said personally contact photos for almost everyone that I talk with frequently on my phone. And it's because I get like a contact serotonin happiness when I see their face pop up when they're calling. And so I think it's really cool that for people that don't have that set up on their phone, you can now kind of give them that same thing by setting a picture of yourself. Exactly. I think it's going to be awesome. I'm really excited about this one. You have full choice of choosing a photo or an emoji, even selecting your font, your font color. Dude, is anyone going to use an emoji though? I feel like that's like kind of a like why. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Really? People use their emoji now for their photos when it comes to um, like iMessage. I have no idea. But like, I know, for example, my brother does that. He has an emoji set instead of a contact oh, photo God. that he shares I, with people. <laughs> I have some like follow-ups on that. Like what, what's the rationale? I couldn't even tell you. I think it's just his own personal preference there. But there are some people who are like that. And, and I think this gives a great opportunity for both because some people just don't like how they photograph, I guess, sometimes. And so this, it, I guess it kind of makes sense in those respects. But yeah, it's definitely going to be a very interesting one. But that's probably my first feature that I'm really excited about. 
I'm also very excited about that one. The other one is that when you have someone call you, there's actually a new feature called live voicemail, which will send the call to the voicemail and then show you a live transcript of the message. So my actual first introduction to call screening like this, because we're obviously Darsh and I are super young. I'm 21. Darsh is 22. I'm 23. 23 actually. now. Tragic. Okay. Darsh is 23. And so my first exposure to like call screening was actually watching Seinfeld because what it used to be like, and Darsh and I didn't really experience this, is you used to call someone and then you would hear, like if you were at your phone at home, you would hear the voicemail start playing and then you could decide to pick it up or not. So Apple is bringing that back, but I feel like they're going to introduce a whole new generation to it. And I think it's really smart because sometimes you'll see someone's name. Like, I think we all do this, so it's okay to admit. You'll see someone's name pop up on your phone. You're like, oh God, like I really do not want to talk to them. But then if you had like the live transfer feature, you could see, oh, it's like urgent and really important. I'm going to have to answer this or, oh, it's okay. I'll just call them back later. So I actually think that's a really smart feature that will be used a lot. I'm actually surprised that you never got the the voicemail kind of Oh, you, you have this the filtering. I still have it. Yeah, like it's not a, like not on my actual phone, but like on my home landline. Yeah. Okay, never um, mind. I guess it's not a generational thing. I thought that like it just like they stopped doing it with no, our generation. If, if you have a landline and it has, and you have like those oh. wireless those wireless phones um, around your house, then when the voicemail starts going, some of them have a feature to keep that on. So we keep it on. So I was actually sitting upstairs today while I was eating lunch. We got a call to the house, and I didn't know who it was, and pick up, and someone was on the other end on voicemail, and they started leaving their voicemail, and I was like, oh okay, the spam caller, but still like happy I was able That's to hear interesting. it. Yeah. yeah, I do think it is a smart feature. I also think it's smart because there are so many spam calls now. Like you bring up a really good point in that so many of the time, like I actually, I was waiting for a call back from my doctor last week and then I wasn't answering any call like because I get so many spam calls. I never pick up really unless I know the contact. And so I missed her call like two or three times. And I think she was getting a little irked with me, like rightfully so. And so it would have been very helpful if I knew who was calling because then I could decide to answer it or not answer it, especially now when there's so many like robo callers. And it's kind of weird, dude. I was thinking about this like, yesterday that we've all just accepted that scam calls are such a big thing and like no one's really actively trying to solve it we just like don't answer the phone if we don't know who it is well i mean there are some apps like i use one called haya which pretty much blocks the call or it puts on a little thing on your caller id that says potential spam so it gives me a heads up prior to but does it I, work effectively for you because i feel like there are a lot out there but they don't necessarily work great it works decent like i, like I wouldn't say it's amazing but i'd say it definitely does help at times but that's live voicemail. And another really cool feature that I definitely want to talk about is name drop because it kind of reminds me of something similar by a certain someone who came up with a certain application a couple of, I think a year ago or so. So name drop pretty much gives you the opportunity to share your contact information by tapping your iPhone on someone else's iPhone using NFC pretty much. It's also going to be um, able to do things like share play and others. So it's going to be pretty much just tapping two phones together to connect them in some way, shape or form, either through dropping your contact info or connecting for share play or something along the sort. This just brings up a bigger conversation to me, like with the name drop feature around how Apple can sometimes see other people create something, but then they just execute on it so much better. And then it becomes like normalized. I think another example of that is in the text check-in thing. So this is a problem that I have all the time, my friends. I think I mentioned this on an earlier podcast episode. We'll go out or something. I'll say to them like, okay, but make sure you text when you get home. And then oftentimes like we all do, they'll forget to text. And then I'm left wondering, did they forget or did something like God forbid bad happen to them? Whereas now with this new feature called check-in, you can let your friends know automatically when you arrive safely. So it will, you'll be like, all right, I'm going to check in at home at this time. And then it will notify your friend or your family member when you arrive at that destination, which I think is really smart. And it's going to A, make people safer, but then B, just like relieve anxiety. And then if you don't check in, what ends up happening is you can have helpful information like the battery life of the phone, the cell service level etc so you know like how quickly to react yeah I, honestly i kind of really like that so that's something i also like 
definitely have experience with. Like anytime I leave anywhere, some one of my friends would be like, hey, like message me. Like literally this weekend, uh, one of my buddies was visiting for med school. He does med school abroad and he'd come home for wow. the week or a couple of weeks before going back. And I'd gone to go see him, but he lives like an hour away. So one of my buddies messaged, like, messaged me or told me before leaving. He's like, hey, just shoot me a text when you get home, please. And I was like, yeah, like, of course. And like, I left and I literally came home. I started just like getting ready for bed. And I was like, oh, shoot, I should send a message. And I sent a message. But having that kind of feature where it's like you're constantly already setting that in place. And also the addition of having like your battery life and your cell reception also makes it like so much better. Because I know also there are times where like I'll either my phone will die or someone's phone will die and they'll text me three hours later. I'm like, hey, what happened? Where did you go? And they're like, oh, my phone died. I just got home. So I think it's definitely a really cool feature that I'm, I'm very excited for. 1000%. I also think that the feature that allows you to like have all your iMessage apps in the same spot is smart because this is a common glitch that I have right now on my current phone. I don't know why it hasn't been fixed, but anytime I try it, you know, like right above like the um, keyboard, how you have all the different iMessage apps. Yeah. Anytime I try to like swipe through those and I go too quickly or something, the phone ends up freezing and I have to completely close out of the messaging app to get back to it. So this now is kind of like a swipe up where it fills the screen with your most recent ones, like live photo, audio message, location, et cetera. And I just think that that looks like a cleaner UI. Yeah, it does look a lot cleaner. It does. And Dude, kind of also look- catch up and swipe to reply is also sick. Did you see that one? Oh my, I did see that. I mean, those are like features that have been integrated all over the place in every single other messaging app. So true. from my message. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's I love those- that we're like giving Apple credit, but literally that's just like a feature that finally they added. Exactly. And, but you know, it's a feature that they added that I think that is not recognized enough or not given enough credit to. I think it's the health app's new mood tracking feature. So it lets you log Ooh. your daily emotions to track your state of mind over time. And it's offering like, it, it kind of helps Apple offer the like depression and anxiety assessments using clinics to determine if you might be at risk. Given these are, again, these are not going to diagnose you like a doctor would, but okay. there are ways for you to kind of gauge a little bit how you're feeling and how you're doing. And then through this as well, it's going to be introducing a journal app where you can like record your thoughts and activities on a daily basis and then use on device machine learning to suggest topics for you to write about based on what you've done each day, such as like traveling, completing a workout, visiting people, taking photos, and so on. So I think that something like this, especially for someone like me who does journal quite a bit, it would be incredibly useful to have access to that on my phone. I mean, I do like the idea of just sitting down and writing it pen to paper, but the idea of having this on your iOS device or your iPad OS device, even yes. like I could probably end up doing it on my iPad, but like that just seems like a really, really cool idea. And I'm really excited about it. I think that they're really going to affect a lot of third-party journaling apps. This again goes back to the feature versus product thing. There are a lot of apps that kind of make the iPhone great for a time and then Apple sees it be successful and they copy it and do it better. So a lot of third-party journal apps are going to be like screwed, I think, which is unfortunate and like sad when you think about those developers. But it will, if it's an Apple app, then it's probably better encrypted. Like there are some pros of it. Dude, I also want to just mention quickly that there's now FaceTime on Apple TV which is kind of cool. That is actually a really cool feature. And so funny enough, I ended up buying two Apple TVs in the past week and a half. Really? Why? Okay. So I bought the first one just because I wanted an Apple TV. I wanted to be able... So I bought a TV for my room, I think like six months ago. And I bought like a... It was like a cheaper TCL 55 inch 4K TV. It's pretty good though. It has like HDR 10 and it has like... Uh, and it has just like really, it has decent colors, not super bright, but it works well for what I need. And I found that I've been using the Roku app because it's a Roku native TV. I've been using the Roku app to connect my AirPods and it's just stereo sound for one, but then for two, it's also it's also lacking in terms of like its ability to connect. Like there always tends to be drops. Like I'd be missing like parts of the, the movie or the music or whatever it is that I'm listening to through my TV. So I wanted an Apple TV to fix that and also to give me better audio. So I, cause I listen through my headphones most of the time at night, just to not disturb my family. And I bought a, I bought one off of so off of Facebook, like someone used uh, and like a 2018 edition of the 4K Apple TV. And I was like, this is good, this is great, works for me. 
And then I realized like, so I realized like my mom and my dad, like they, like their room gets terrible Wi-Fi reception. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to get another Apple TV to give, to give them so that they can like connect ethernet in their yes. room. Cause their Roku was, doesn't have an ethernet connection. So Smart. I saw on Amazon prime day yesterday, they had Apple, Apple TV 4k 2021 editions for $90. And for reference here, like in Canada, it's 229. So I was like, yo, this is like a hundred twenty nine Canadian. Two twenty nine Canadian versus ninety dollars Canadian. I was like or hundred forty dollars in savings before tax. So I picked one up for my parents and I set it up for them today. My mom was extremely happy about it. But the idea of FaceTime with that makes it even better. Like if my mom's sitting in bed and she's calling her family in India, I can only imagine how much easier it would be for her to be able to just a proper phone up on her like table and then talk to her family over on a big screen rather than on such a small screen. One thousand percent. It makes things so much easier. And I think that Apple is like I, I do really commend Apple for doing this and their abilities to kind of make features that are actually useful or like that actually bring utility to your day-to-day life. Cause I feel like that's something that's always been lacking. For sure. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think it's cool that they constantly have to think about new ideas. Like for example, interactive widgets is a new idea. Um, and I, this would go under like the utility category. Better airdrop is also, uh, or airdrop is also improved this year. So airdrop transfers can continue even if like you step away. Or like even like the mail app, automatic filling of verification codes. So the same way yes. that if you get a verification code and messages, it automatically fills through the suggestions in your keyboard. It's the same thing now through the mail app, which is awesome. I love that feature. I also think that the new smart device suggestions for AirPlay is really smart. And then lastly, AirPods got some updates with more adaptive audio. So it's kind of this in-between between transparency and active noise cancellation. And honestly, so many other features. Like this is such a deep dive. I, I'm considering making a full video on the channel. By the time this podcast is up, there probably will be a lot of great videos on YouTube. So we'll try to recommend some on our Twitter at Digital Dive Pod. But I want to talk about the Nothing Phone 2 because not only did Nothing come out with a brand new product and raise 50 plus million dollars, but they also did their keynote in a very interesting way with one of my favorite people of all time, Casey Neistat. And I think that they're really trying to say like, hey, we're a small company. We're not going to be the phone for everyone, but we want to make tech fun again. And here's our vision for it. And I think in some ways they really, really executed. And then I think in other ways they did not. So I want to give kind of our take on it and where we see it fitting in the market. And also if people haven't heard of nothing before, let's give it a quick 30 second summary just so everyone's on the same page. Yeah, absolutely. So for one, if you guys have heard of OnePlus, the phone from Carl Pei, he pretty much left OnePlus after it was acquired, like I think it was two, three years ago. And he started working on this company called Nothing. And Nothing is, it's a very funny kind of name because it's like, they're not creating nothing. They're creating nothing devices. And so they've been filled on and filled and focused on these devices that have a very translucent or transparent design to them. So you can kind of see internally. And one of the ways that they did this was through the nothing phone. And the first phone that came out, it was very interesting because it resembled that of an iPhone, but it was running Android and a very slightly modified version of Android. They call nothing called running nothing OS. Now this year they come out with a brand new device. It is the nothing phone Two. It's featuring a 6.7 inch OLED display with HDR 10 plus certification and a 24, 12 by 1080 P uh, resolution, plus as well as a dynamic 1 hertz to 120 hertz refresh rate. So effectively the same type of screen that's on the iPhone 13 and 14 Pro. And then inside they have a little bit older, but the Qualcomm Snapdragon 8 plus Gen 1 with either 8 gigs or 12 gigs of RAM featuring 128, 256, and 512 gigs of storage space. Yes. So the one that I'm testing out is the mid-tier storage model, but it has the RAM. And I would say it feels incredibly fast. And for anyone that doesn't know kind of like OnePlus's story, they came to the market as like a 
quote unquote flagship killer of offering incredible price to value ratio. And then slowly over the years, they became more and more expensive in kind of going for like the flagship and no longer killer aspect. And that left a unique opportunity for other people to kind of fill in the mid-tier market like nothing. Nothing the first year came out, according to Arun's interview with Carl Pei, sold around 800,000 units, which makes me feel A, like incredible accomplishment and B, like there's so many people in the world that I think getting a million people to love a thing is definitely very, very challenging, but it seems pretty doable. And then I think outside of that, expanding and getting like 10 million, 20 million, 30 million, that's where the real challenges for these smartphone companies. Obviously getting a million is a huge feat in and of itself. And I have a lot of respect for the team. My TLDR on the phone, like quick takes is I think the design is really cool. I think most people put their phone in a case though. So I don't necessarily see that moving the needle, but I still respect a company that tries to use design to not only look good, but also have the utility of like the LED on the back where you can use it for notifications or to see how far away an Uber is or to prioritize only certain people. So, you know, when it flashes, like you're getting a text from that specific person, like let's say your boyfriend or girlfriend or family or like friends or colleagues or something. And then the other thing is that the video quality looks much improved this year over last year, which is also really, really impressive areas. I would still like them to improve. Zoom quality is not that great. And the battery life was decent, but not excellent. That was a very great sum of kind of the nothing phone too in a nutshell. And I think that the only thing I kind of wanted to focus a little bit more on was the fact that, so for one, as I mentioned, the design is very similar to the iPhone in the sense that it has those flat rail sides as well as a glass back and glass front. But then also on the back, the camera module is kind of set up similar to that of the iPhone 10. But then on top of that, it has this glyph structure, which is what kind of sets it apart, where it has this translucent back where everything looks like it's somewhat modular, but it has these set of glyphs. And it has, I believe, seven or eight different uh, LED lights, maybe even nine, 10 at this point, there's small little ones. And like Jacko was mentioning, they can effectively be programmed to do different things, kind of like these smart widget features on iPhones where like Uber will show up on your lock screen and show you how far an Uber is and like stuff like that. And there is adoption that is being taken place here. But it right now, you can check like Uber status or you can check your battery status or check your messages. You can also build out some pretty cool software-based like ringtones. But I think what's even cooler about it is the fact that this phone, although it isn't supposed to be this flagship killer, it's not supposed to be this crazy phone to take over the world. I think what's really cool about it is that it sets itself apart in the market by giving the giving like a very niche audience of users exactly what they want. And I think that's probably like the biggest story about nothing is that they are nothing in the big grand scheme of the phone industry, but they're very much something in a very niche audience of users that we didn't know really still existed. And one thing that they've been able to prove over the last two, three years that they've been around is that that audience definitely does still exist and they are capturing it to the best of their ability. Very true. Do you think that you would use it? Me personally, I'm too invested in the Apple ecosystem to switch over to Android again. But if I was willing to switch back to Android, I think the nothing phone, the Pixel would probably be my top choices. But even the Asus Zenfone 10 kind of caught my eye. Really? Why? So I was watching Marquez's video about it last night. And as I mentioned, like on this new Apple TV, his video looked incredible. But on top of that, it was kind of just because for one, it's a smaller phone. I like smaller phones rather than bigger ones. My iPhone is the 13 Pro and I didn't want to get the 13 Pro Max because I didn't want something that big. I don't like being on my phone as much. I like being just kind of like existing. And so what I like about this is that it's a smaller form factor. It's pretty comfortable. It has this really nice like soft touch design on the back, but what the issue, and it also, okay, also I will preface as well. It also has a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack, which is like, what? I'm sorry. I'm confused. <laughs> Where did that come from? But yes, <laughs> that's like crazy because like three years ago, that would be very normalized four years ago. Honestly, even maybe five now at this point, like the, the headphone jack hasn't been around for a while. 
Yeah, true. What was it? The iPhone 7? Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. But anyway, the Asus Zenfone 10 is a really cool device because for one, it comes with top-notch specs. So it has a Qualcomm Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 processor, up to 16 gigs of RAM, IP68 water resistance, a headphone jack, as well as huge cameras. So I believe in the front camera, it was a 12 megapixel or 16 megapixel camera. And the back was something like a 50 megapixel camera. It was absurd the way that they've been able to do it. So it's the, so I'm just, I'm fact checking myself here. So it's a 50 megapixel main camera and a 13 megapixel sensor for the front camera, I believe. And one of the cool things about it that they've been able to do is create this really great image stabilization uh, where it has like pretty much a gimbal inside, which is part of the reason why the camera bumps are so big. But I kind of like the aesthetic of the camera bumps and the really cool color choices. This phone just really intrigues me. And the camera quality is definitely decent for what I'd expect. And all things considered, I'd be very interested in this phone, at least playing around with it. Asus, if you're listening, happily will play with one for you if you'd like. Uh, I also was pretty surprised by this phone because again, I think it's really hard to get into the smartphone market if you're not one of the major players and get a lot of attention. I think it's interesting to consider the way Mark has framed his video of saying like not really name dropping the name in the title because I think a lot of people don't know Asus and Zenfone, but people are very curious about what a phone at this price point would offer. And so I wonder if they're going to be able to capture the market because of that. It definitely is something I like this week. Marquez is also just brilliant in general, one of my favorite creators. And he would be the first thing that I'm going to recommend for this week, which is for this part of the podcast called Stuff We Like This Week, where Darsh and I talk about things or people or creators, content, et cetera, that we're enjoying this week. So that's my first one. Damn. Okay. Well, I actually have a couple this week for the first time in a while. So the first one that I have this week is Hijack. It's a new show on Apple TV+. Plus. Because I bought an Apple TV, I naturally bought Apple TV+. And I've been watching it like crazy. And my first one's from there because Hijack was actually, it's, it's actually an incredible show. It's featuring Idris Elba. He is a like corporate-based negotiator. He kind of closes deals, kind of like a Harvey Specter almost. And he gets caught on a plane where that's been hijacked. And he has to, like, he's trying to use his skills to try to get everyone home safely. And it's, it comes out on a weekly basis, which I know Jacqueline has mentioned before too. She really, really enjoys. Love and that. I do as well. So yeah, I've been really enjoying it, enjoying it so far. I highly recommend it if you haven't checked it out yet. I love that recommendation. My first one, I think it's going to be surprising to no one. Taylor Swift came out with a new album. I am obsessed. <laughs> it is so good. I um, definitely saw that coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure your girlfriend was also listening to it. It's pretty incredible. And there's, so it's a re-record, which basically means that she's re-recording it to like gain the rights to her music. But she came out with some From the Vault songs or songs that she wrote at the time, but never released. And there's one that she also made a music video to with Taylor Lautner. And the music video is so good. So the song is called I Can See You. And it's kind of like a, her like fantasizing about someone. But then the music video is a crime like video, like her basically breaking out. And I feel like it gives me like Mission Impossible vibes. It's just like excellent. It already has 13 million views on YouTube. I like could not recommend it more. That's awesome. I love to hear it. I definitely will uh, be checking that out. Actually, maybe we'll see. My music's been pretty weird. I finally got, okay, so this is my second one for this week. I finally got access to Spotify DJ. Oh. It finally showed up on my account. I've been using it like crazy. I'm talking like every yeah? single day. I'm using it at least for an hour. Really? What do you like more about it in comparison to like not having the DJ? I think it's nice because it's almost like I'm listening to a radio, but it's very much curated for me. But then on top of that, it's also introducing me to music I've never listened to before. And whenever I get tired of listening to my own playlist, it's really nice to hear something refreshing and out of the blue. It also pulls a bunch of music that I used to listen to a while ago. So like the other day I was in the car and it was like playing some hits that you haven't heard in a couple of years. Like here's this by this. And so I kind of like that. It's, it's different. It's something I haven't really experienced before. I also really like it. And I think it's cool that one of the, uh, like the DJ guy is a Spotify employee. 
with that said, I think we'll maybe end this episode here. We'll be back next Monday for another episode. Samsung's also coming out with some new, interesting, exciting tech. They're launching in South Korea. So we'll definitely have coverage of that. Thank you guys so much for being here. So sorry we missed last week. We appreciate all of you and we can't wait to keep building the digital dive with you. So thanks for all your support. If you like this episode and you want to do us a huge favor, if you have someone else in your life that also loves technology, just sending them this episode would actually help us significantly. So thank you for being here and we'll catch you next week. Thanks so much, guys, for this week and for listening to this far in the episode. If you guys got this far, a huge shout out and pat on the back to you. I also want to give a huge shout out, as always, to Adil Constantine for the incredible intro and outro music that you're about to hear. And we'll catch you guys next week at 6 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Eastern. Bye.